Welcome to Abiding in Christ. Acts 17.28 says, In Christ we live and move and have our being. This program is designed to instill in you that all your needs are met when you put Jesus Christ first in your life. Listen now to the Holy Spirit as a Bible teacher and host, Leisha Cantrell, reveals the Word of God. God looks upon the heart as we read in 1 Samuel 16, 7 through 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The Gospels of Mark and Luke both relay an incident involving a widow's gift to God. She didn't give much, just two mites, or did she? The story is often called the story of the widow's mite or the story of the widow's offering. One day Jesus was sitting with his disciples, the Bible tells us, near the temple treasury, watching people depositing money into the offering receptacles. The court of women held 13 such receptacles, and people could cast their money in as they walked by. Jesus watched as the rich were contributing large sums of money, but then along came a widow with two small coins in her hand. The, they're called uh, two small copper coins in some translations, which make up a penny. These were the smallest denomination of coins. The widow put her coins into the box, and Jesus called his disciples to him and pointed out her action. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything in, all she had to live on. So God notices uh, the real value of what we do, um, which can be quite a bit different than how other people see it. Uh, Mark 12 and Luke 21 Um, also illustrate this point. There are several things that the story of the widow's might teaches us. First, God sees what man overlooks. The big gifts in the temple were surely noticed by people. That's uh, probably what the disciples were watching. But Jesus saw that what no one else did. He saw the humble gift of a poor widow. This was the gift that Jesus thought worthy of comment. This was the gift that the disciples needed to be aware of. The other gifts in the treasury that day made a lot of noise as they jingled into the receptacles, but the widow's mites were heard in heaven. And this is an encouragement for us to do God's will even when other people Um, make no notice of it and may treat us as though we're just the opposite of what we are because they're looking for the phenomena to happen but God is looking at the heart in other words it's what uh, we really are in relationship with him because he says in the scriptures depart from me you workers of iniquity I never knew you 
And this is because they followed principles and they followed things of their own understanding and we're in the carnal level where this is what man would see whereas God is looking for us to have a real relationship with him in trust and it's not an easy matter because it takes a process. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. God's evaluation is different than man's. The widow's two mites added up to a penny according to man's tabulation. But Jesus said that she had given more than anyone else that day. A lot of people decide that, well, this person and that person gave it all. And that is really not according to Scripture most of the time. It's what someone perceives on a carnal level. Mark 12:43 and Mark 12:41, the difference is one of proportion. The rich were giving large sums, but they still retained their fortunes. The widow put in everything. And for a widow at that time, she had nothing. Uh, so she couldn't just go get a job somewhere. She had all that, she gave all she had to live on. Mark 12:42. Hers was a true sacrifice. The rich had not begun to give to the level of her sacrifice. God uh, also commends giving in faith. He's not looking for a sacrifice and for uh, just being a martyr. He's looking for faith. Here was a woman in need of receiving charity, yet she had a heart to give. Even though the amount was negligible, what could a widow's might buy? She gave it in faith that God could use it. The widow's faith is also evident in the fact that she gave the last of her money, like the widow of Zarephath, who gave her last meal to Elijah in Kings, 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16. The widow in the temple gave away her last means of self-support. Does that mean the widow left the temple completely destitute, went home and died of starvation? No, the Bible teaches that God provides for our needs, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. We don't know the details of this particular widow's future, but we can be certain that she was provided for, just as God provided for the widow and her son in Elijah's day. God also provided for the widow in Jesus' day. It is interesting that just before Jesus commented on the widow's might, he commented on the scribes who devour widows' houses in Mark 12:40. The religious officials of the day, instead of helping the widows in need, were perfectly content to rob them of their livelihood and inheritance. The system was corrupt and the darkness of the scribes' greed makes the widow's sacrifice shine even more brightly. God loves a cheerful giver, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 9-7, and he is faithful to take care of his own. So God looks at the heart, 1 Samuel 16-7. People tend to judge the character and worth of others by looking at outward appearances. If a person is tall, good-looking, well-built, and tastefully dressed, then he or she possesses physical qualities that people generally admire and respect. Often these are the physical qualities we seek in a leader. But God has the unique ability to see inside a person. God knows our true character because he looks at the heart. First Samuel 
16, the time had come for Samuel to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem to anoint Israel's next king. As Samuel looked at Jesse's oldest son, Elijah, Samuel was impressed with what he saw. Surely this is the man the Lord wants me to anoint, said the prophet. But God told Samuel, don't look at his appearance or how tall he is because I have rejected him. God does not see as humans see. Humans look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks into the heart, 1 Samuel 16, 7. And we see this also in the New Testament uh, of a carnal attitude. One is of Paul and the other is of Apollos. And that was, it takes a while for people to get down to really what God is looking for instead of noticing a leader for, for good or for bad according to human standards. Saul, Israel's first king, was tall and handsome. Samuel may have been looking for someone like Saul, and Eliab's appearance was quite striking, but God had a different man in mind to anoint as Israel's king. The Lord had earlier revealed to Samuel that he sought a man after God's own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14. Samuel looked at all seven of Jesse's older sons, but the Lord rejected them all as his choice for king. God was looking for one who had a faithful heart, David, Jesse's youngest son, whom they had not even bothered to call, was out tending the sheep. After Samuel passed over the other sons, they sent David and the Lord said, this is the one. 1 Samuel 16:12 David was God's choice, imperfect but faithful, a man after God's heart. Although the Bible says he was handsome, David was not a striking figure. But David had developed a heart after God. In his time alone in the fields, shepherding the flocks, David had come to know God as his shepherd. Appearances can be deceiving. The outward appearance doesn't reveal what people are really like. Physical looks don't show us a person's value or character. And shepherding the flocks was not something that his brother was praising him for. So appearances can be deceiving, and the outward qualities are definition by definition superficial. More and spiritual considerations are far from are far more important to God. God looks at the heart. The heart in Scripture is a person's inner moral and spiritual life. Proverbs 4.23 explains that everything we do flows from our hearts. The heart is the core, the inner essence of who we are. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, Luke 6:45. To everyone who saw him, Judas Iscariot looked like a faithful disciple, but his appearance was deceiving. The other disciples had no idea of what was going on inside Judas. Judas was the only one who knew his heart. Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil, John 6:70. God's perspective is higher, deeper, 
and wiser than ours. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord are continually roaming throughout the earth to strengthen people whose hearts are fully committed to him. God can peer into our hearts, examine our motivations, and know everything there is to know about us. Psalm 139.1 God knows if a person will be faithful. God sees what people can see, what they cannot see. King David was far from perfect. He committed adultery and murder in 2 Samuel 11. But God saw in David a man of deep, abiding faith who was wholly committed to the Lord. This is always puzzling to people. They tend to want to have something that's more marketable. But God knows that we're in a fallen race and we inherit a certain character that's passed on through generations. But God also is looking for how faith and how our relationship with him is activated. And so that's what the judgment seat of Christ will straighten out for us because God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, not according to our actions or our abilities. Grace and peace to you. Many people like to get a fast response for prayer requests, so I'm giving you my post office box number so that you can send a letter and make a prayer request or send a donation that way. Write to Abiding in Christ Ministries, Leisha Cantrell, P.O. Box 460512, Denver, Colorado, 80246. You may also listen to the programs again and download them, as well as find contact information on 670kltt.com on the weekday program guide. Click on Abiding in Christ Ministries, Leisha Cantrell, and you'll be right there at my website. Thank you for joining me weekly here at Abiding in Christ Ministries for Kingdom, Covenant, and Mediator. 